We talked about denominations, uh, you know, the, the differences that they teach with salvation, baptism, and things along those lines. But I think that it's important to understand that what seems so common for us would not have been common for the first century church. You know, we talk about, in, in just the Hollywood aspect of it, you take somebody from the 60s and bring them to the 2000s, they're going to be blown away. Right. Even if you just took them from 1960 to 2000, 40 year difference. Take them to a 58 year difference here in 2018, I, I don't know if they'd be able to make it or if they'd have a heart attack because of all of the <laughs> crazy technological advances that we have. They would sit there and go, what is this? What is that? What, you know, what's a Zaxby's? What's this? What, you know, yeah. the, some of the things that they may, not, they may not even know to the degree that we know about and right. the way that we know them. It's so common. You know, you've got a Chick-fil-A, you've got a McDonald's on every corner. We just don't even blink when we see it. And we've gotten that way with denominations. We've gotten to a point where we look at a denominational church building the same as a McDonald's or a gas station. There's one on every corner. Right. And we don't really, you know, if we saw on every corner someone being murdered, that we would take note of that. Sure. It, w it would be definitely a horrendous sight, and we wouldn't just drive past and be like, oh, well, okay. It would be a shock to us. And yet every single time we drive, we look at people who are murdering the Word of God hmm. and are butchering it. And it's almost like we've just gotten to a point where we're able to stomach it and we can just move on with our lives. So I guess the question, though, is, what would you do if someone asks you, what is a denomination and what's so bad about it? Isn't it great that we can all go to a different congregation and, you know, you can worship your way and I'll worship my way? Why is it harmful to go attend a denomination? Yeah, well, you know, the word denomination itself is kind of a math term. Mm -hmm. and, and you think about a denominator in fractions. Uh, it's used to divide. And, and so it, it's, its very root is division. Sure. And, and so some would, would refer to it, not just division, but some would refer to it and call it a, a departure. And I think when we talk about denomination and denominationalism today, we see it as a departure. That's what history, religious history has shown us. It has been a departure from that first century model. It is, it is left what, uh, what God has intended. It is left what Christ is, was the head over. And it is, it is turned into something else. It has changed through the years. And so we think about the history for just a moment. In Acts chapter 2, the Lord built His church. The saved are added to it. They're told, you've killed the Christ. So what do we do? You repent and be baptized. They received His word. They were gladly baptized. Mm -hmm. They were added to the church. Acts 2 verse 40 uh, seven and and so you begin to see the church as it's built. You you read those New Testament letters, and and it doesn't take long because you have you remember that that warning in Acts chapter twenty, where Paul meets with the Ephesian elders in Miletus, and he's warning them that there are going to be men who will arise. You feed the flock. Men are going to arise of your own selves. Some of you are going to arise, stand up. And they're, you're going to speak perverse things and you're going to do it with the intent to draw away disciples after your own selves. Mm -hmm. and, and that is key to understanding really what denominationalism is about. It is a departure. It is a division. And, and we see that warning right off the bat. You know, just a few centuries, or a couple, not a century, uh, a couple decades in of the Lord's church in existence. And, and Paul is having to warn about some of your own, you're going to rise, some of your men are going to rise up and they're going to speak perverse things. They're going to do it with the intent to draw away disciples after their own selves. 
And, and so that's what's interesting. And then you begin to see time moves on. And, what, and, and from that time forward, you have century upon century. Then you have eventually a full-on departure from the organization mm-hmm. of the first century church. Well, Paul's meeting, though, with, with those elders. Right. Well, just a few centuries later, you, you, that's not the case because now you have a, a pope-centered church right. at that point in time that's, that's in place. Well, that's not the Lord's church. That's something different. That they've left, they've departed from the the true organization of the church. Mm-hmm. So it no longer looks like the church our, our Lord built. It's something different now. It's a Pope-centered church, and and that continued on for a while with a uh, very just a couple of centuries later, uh, the Greek Orthodox split from from them. And so you have those two ruling groups, and then you get into about the 15th century, and you start having what is referred to as the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther and several others, you know, who will stand up against the uh, Catholicism, full-blown Catholicism, and, and say that that is wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. And, and they're trying to reform what they see to be wrong with the Catholic Church. And, you know, I give them props in that way, but that, that wasn't really, it didn't work. Because when Martin Luther died, even after having said, don't call the church after me, I didn't die for it, they named <laughs> right. The Lutheran Church, right. uh, you know. So, uh, and and then you begin to see, you know, the Baptist Church and so on, 1600s, and and then you see other religious groups that that's, that spark out of that, and and that's the Protestant Reformation. The, the, you have a group of folks who who simply want to get back to the Bible, that that come along and say, you know, we we see all of this confusion that's out there, and denominationalism is rampant at that time. That was the. They, they were thinking, this is, this is too far gone. We've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to go back to that first century church and be that church. And we typically refer to that as the restoration mm-hmm. movement. And so that call to get back to first century Christianity, the reason that denominationalism is so harmful is very simply because it is a departure from New Testament Christianity. Absolutely, I, and I want to touch on that in two parts, and I'm going to even touch on what you said about the church at Ephesus, mm-hmm. the Ephesian elders who were warned, because you and I both know how that ended up, mm-hmm. and we're going to hit on that in a minute. But I want I want to think about the denomination. What is a denomination? If I were to, to classify it, it's exactly what you said. It's a departure from the truth. It's anything that hinders someone from doing what the Bible says to do. And in Galatia, you have... probably the southern part of Galatia, a letter sent to them. And in the midst of this letter, he talks about them departing from the the faith and going back to the old law. But he says in chapter 5, and I love this because you don't really see this a lot, but Paul actually says something about how this got started. He says, you ran well. What hindered you or who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you, and he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit of this doctrine spread throughout the entire southern part of Galatia and got multiple churches right. is what the indication is. And then he says one of, the, one of the most amazing parts of this in verse 10, I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you, he'll bear his judgment, whoever he is. I don't know his name, but someone has come in and has destroyed your thinking about the church, has destroyed your thinking about what New Testament Christianity is. And he's trying to tell you, hey, you can go back to the old law and that's fine. Right. And then you, you couple that with Ephesians, who has this letter written to them. And there's no real central problem discussed in the book of Ephesians. It's more of an instruction manual right. for Christianity. 
But you talk about the Ephesian elders being warned in Acts 20. People of your own eldership, of your own congregation, are going to rise up. They're going to try to get a following. And you get to Revelation chapter 2. Yep. And one of the most incredible chapters of the Bible is this section of Scripture with the church at Ephesus because he wrote, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walk in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Keep that in mind. That's important. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. You've persevered and found patience and have labored for my name's sake, have not become weary. Man, everything sounds great. Let's just stop at verse 3, right? <laughs> we can't. Right. We have to finish. Because what he says next is, nevertheless, despite all of this, I've got something against you. What, what is it? You've left your first love. He says in verse 5, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand, lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Holiday time coming around the corner sometime soon here, you know, with Christmas. We're going to put stockings, you know, our, our little things on the mantle. And, you know, we've got our, our stocking stuffers that you put, maybe candy or things of that nature. And you've got maybe your own particular one. When you leave the family, though, and you move out to be on your own, you may not put up the, the child stocking like you once did. You may not put up, you know, Chris is married mm -hmm. now. His stocking may not be hung in your house like it once was. Maybe it went with him when he got married. My mom and dad did that for me. They gave mine as, a, as part of a gift to me. This is yours. You get mm -hmm. to take it with you. It no longer hangs in their house. I've removed myself from their house. Therefore, my stocking won't be put on Christmas time on their mantle. Spiritually speaking, this is more important than Christmas and a stocking sure. that's stuffed with candy and things of that nature. My lampstand will be removed if I leave my first love. Right. And that's what happened at the church, to the church at Ephesus. A denomination is a separation of God's truth. That brings me to the second part. What would you do if someone asks you for some red flags to identify a denomination? How would you go about that? You know, and that's kind of where I began, was kind of talking about the organization of the church. When you begin mm -hmm. to see a, a different organiza organizational pattern, right. um, where you have a pastor as the head of a particular church, uh, and, and use that word for just simply a preacher that's in charge of everything, calls himself a pastor, and he's the head of that uh, that that particular group, and you see that that is a departure. That's 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 a red flag. When when you see um, the acts of worship, uh, you know if, if if you go and you were to go to their worship services and you see that which is a departure from what we read that the early church did, you know, and and those same things that we're supposed to be doing today, and you you find out that they're they're not just singing, but they're they've got an organ and they've got uh, they've got a full ten piece band and 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 this particular group's beating a drum over here and a tambourine over here and whistles going off over here and uh, you know a full blown orchestra or something going in the background right. with all of this and yet the Bible simply says singing. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, you know, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, uh, singing with grace unto the Lord, you know, Colossians 3, 16, Ephesians 5, 19, and, and you see some group that's gone beyond that. that that's a red flag. I mean, um, those that try to, you know, there are steps that some people will take, you know, that will go down that road eventually, uh, and, and, and maybe it's with having a choral group up front or, you know, mic'd a few people in the audience and, you know, a full-on praise group up front, you know, basically leading the worship and then eventually they're just entertaining us while we sit back. You know, there's a progression that, that typically is, is followed in, in, in all of that. Uh, red flags would be, you know, leaving the there again, even even with the, the giving and the, the treasury that's being used, uh, you know, how, how are those funds being used? Those would be, you know, things that we need to pay attention to. You know, do they match up biblically with, with what we see in the, in the Lord's church? The, the plan of admission or the plan of entrance or the plan of salvation, however you want to word that, um, when, when something else is given, whether you just, just got, all you have to do is believe or you just, you just make this confession or you just pray this prayer, you just ask Jesus in your heart. Those things are foreign to Scripture. We find in Scripture there's a full-on plan of salvation that we have to be responsible on our part to be obedient to. And, and, and so when you see a departure in, in, in that way, what about the moral obligation to God? You know, the way that we, how morality is taught in some of these groups. I would think that you would be able to see a red flag in that. You know, someone that's allowing, uh, you know, the use of alcohol, you know, and somebody that's uh, saying, you know, it's okay to smoke, it's okay to do this, you can dabble in a little bit of this, a little bit of that's all right, you know, it's okay to gamble, it's all right to do this, um, you know, it's, it's all right to have. Um, you know, bake sales and garage sales and things like that, and that's how the church gets its money. Those, those are all red flags, mm -hmm. um, but those are typically things that we see that are commonplace in denominational groups. And and the the problem that I think we face, and and I didn't grow up in the church. We mentioned that in another uh, thing. I, I, I didn't grow up in the Lord's church, but those were things that I saw early on. Um, while hearing scripture taught, while hearing you know gospel sermons uh, on occasion, uh, sporadically as I would go home and visit with my uh, then girlfriend, but right. now wife, when I would right. visit with Cindy uh, back then and, and go to the Lord's church, I'd hear the gospel being preached, and then at that time I was still looking and searching for some for something. And so I was out there visiting a lot of these groups. And so I came out of denominationalism. So these things were commonplace. These things were readily seen everywhere that I, I had gone. And they didn't all agree with one another. And, and they would say, no, we're going to heaven. But you know, we're, we're different than that group over there because we believe this and they believe that. Well, how, how can you say then that you're both because they were wanting to say that oh yeah well they're going to heaven they're they're going to heaven you know but they're just going a different way and things like that and you'd hear this circular reasoning it didn't make sense to me uh, I, I try to be a person of logic and and you know, you got to kind of break it down and keep it simple for me and and when when the bible's simply laid out and here's the organization of the church and here's how you enter the church and here's how you can be saved and be a part of the church and then this also is the same manual that you use in order to live your life daily and, and you can learn that on your own without having to have a priest or a pastor, quote, tell you how to do it. Mm -hmm. That was amazing to me. And, and that's what caught my attention. And, and so when I hear things that are outside that are foreign to Scripture, those are immediate red flags that go off for me. And one of the things that, that kind of struck me while we were talking about the singing portion 
We do not have a hard time understanding this logic when it comes to our own lives. Mm -hmm. For instance, say that an individual for a time, man, they loved eating a certain fruit or a vegetable or, or what have you. And then all of a sudden their body starts to react to it in such a way and the doctor says, you can't have this anymore. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, shellfish of some kind. If you eat this, you will die. Even though we love what we had been eating, if we value our lives, what are we going to not do? Yeah. We're not going to do that. I love salad. I absolutely love it. But I'm, I've just been unfortunately, you know, plagued with an illness for the rest of my life that as long as I have it, I'm not allowed to eat salad. It just doesn't, it doesn't help me anymore. It hurts me. Yeah. Well, if I love my body and I want to take care of myself, I won't eat that which is harmful to me. Right. But if I love my Lord, then I won't do that which is harmful to my spiritual body. Right. For instance, you know, red flag, how to identify a denomination? Paul gave it to us. He gave it to us in Galatians 1. Right. When he says in verses 6 through 9, I marvel that you're so soon turned away from the, you know, the gospel, the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And it's not, an, it's not something that you think is another gospel that you can follow. Right. It's not like you have a choice of going to 7-Eleven or Shell Station to get your gas. No, there is only one gospel. Right. There is only one. And you, you have people out there that want to trouble and pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he says, here's how you identify the problem. If we or an angel from heaven, we say any other gospel than you've been preached before, let them be accursed. And then he repeats it in verse 9. And then he gives really the, the whole purpose <laughs> of denominationalism. Right. Do I seek to please men, men or, God. or God? Do I seek to be a servant of man or a bondservant of Christ? If I seek to serve man, I can't be the bondservant of Christ. Right. Denominationalism, in a large part, I think there's two sides of it. Number one, there's the side that is genuine. They don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They genuinely believe what they've been taught. I, I know a lot of people like that. met a lot of people like that. Number two, there's the side that they know better, but they don't want to offend anybody. Right. They don't want to make anybody upset, and so they have a come-as-you-are attitude and leave as you came attitude. But the Lord says, come as you are, but leave as I am. You know, the Lord wants me to leave the worship assembly and act more like Him. Right. And be more holy, for I am holy, Leviticus teaches. I have to sit there and say, what do I need to do to be more holy? But I've sat in denominational sermons. I've listened to denominational preaching online or at the hotel. You know, you flip channels. You find the mm -hmm. INSP network or whatever, yeah. and it has these denominational sermons on there. And I sit there sometimes, and I say, where's the Bible? Where's the gospel? Where's the good news? It, we're supposed to be heralds of the truth, and yet we're sitting here giving fluff? Right. When, when the Bible says if we don't preach the gospel, we'll be accursed? If I want to know how to find a red flag... I sit there and I ask myself, is this the truth? My grandmother, who's passed on now years ago, she said the very reason she left Roman Catholicism is because she started reading her Bible and she noticed things in there that weren't taught by the Catholic Church. And then I know of other people who were reading in their Bible and the moment they had questions and they went to ask someone of their belief and of their denomination, they immediately were told, well, we don't do that here. Or how dare you exactly. ask? Exactly. You know, a, a man of God. Right. Or, or, you've got or you've got him. places where if you want to read the Bible, you you show up and the priest tells you what you're allowed to read. Yeah. Wait a minute. 
That is like going to the hospital and the doctor tells you, listen, you're sick. This book here will teach you how to get better, but I'm only going to give you chapter 1 and 10. Wait a minute. What about 2 through 9? Yeah. I need those chapters too. If all Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable to me, how dare any of us hold it back yeah. and keep it from being distributed? But that gives me kind of a, a third problem that comes about, a third question and problem. And the devil has done a great job at painting the Church of Christ as a hateful group of people. You know, we get passionate, and I think passionate the same way that Paul marveled that the churches of Galatia had departed from what they were called to be. Right. So what would you do if someone says, do you just say this because you hate the denominations and you just get a joy and pleasure out of saying these things? You know, I, I would like to say first, we don't, we don't hate anyone. Right. You know, that if I hated anyone, I wouldn't have gotten into preaching to begin with. Uh, I'm in the wrong business, so to speak. Um, you know, the driving force behind, especially my preaching, I, I cannot speak for everyone and I, and I won't, um, you know, attempt to do so. But I think for the majority of us, you know, we didn't get into this because certainly we hated anyone. Right. We got into this because we saw lost souls and we thought, if I can help someone. If, if I can teach someone what I've learned you know, in, the, in the gospel, then that's going to help them and benefit them. And that, that's really all I'm trying to do. Um, you know, the, the, the very idea, the, the idea of a denomination, let's go back to this for just a second, because, you know, we talk about the, the Church of Christ. Some people will see that and say, well, you know, you have a, you know, you have a nomination, you have a uh, a name that you go by, so you're a group in that way. Um, the Church of Christ is not a denomination, though, and, and, and that's hard for people to get in this confused religious world today. Church of Christ is not trying to be yet another denomination, a, another group out there. We're simply trying to be the church that you open the Scriptures and mm -hmm. read in the New Testament. That's the church that we want to be. Um, the, the Churches of Christ salute you. You know, that's, that's a proper... Uh, name that that is that is given, you know, of of those groups of Christians. They're just simply Christians. They're not hyphenated Christians. Not Baptist, Methodist. You know, that was foreign, and that was the point that you're making when we opened the, the this this whole topic. But no, we we don't hate anyone, but we are passionate about simply being the Lord's church, and 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 getting people back to their Bibles and to know. If I read this, I don't find denominationalism. Now, I find warnings against it, but I don't find a denomination here. I find the Lord's church, and I can be a part of it, very simply. And, and I can be obedient to it. I can live faithfully. I'm, and because of that, I can have heaven. The promise of heaven is my home. Uh, the hope of eternal life in which God, who cannot lie, has promised before the foundation of the world. I, I, can, I can have that hope, and I can simply know that I have eternal life because I've done these very things. That, that has nothing to do with hate. That's the very opposite. I, I love and I want people to know that we love them. I want people to know that, that we're passionate about our preaching and that we're not preaching to try to make any kind of name for ourselves. You know, we're blessed with opportunity. We're blessed with opportunities to do what we're doing right, right. now. You know, and for that to hopefully affect others um, in a positive way to get them back to Scripture. You know, it's not about Wayne, it's not about Michael. It's about God, it's about Jesus, it's about His book. It's about His church. And it's not a denomination, and we're, we're going to faithfully preach that, faithfully preach the gospel, 
And, and, and I know that there are those who um, probably have come across hateful. Shame on them. There, there's no reason to preach the gospel in a hateful way. We can preach the gospel. We can preach the truth. And we can do so in love. Uh, love for lost souls. If we, if, if we don't have the p- compassion that Jesus showed forth to others around him, those that were lost, if we don't weep when we look at the, the, the cityscape and think about all the souls in that city right. that are lost, then, then, then you know, we're, we're approaching it. Our intent, our purpose for, for so doing is, is, is wrong. And, and therefore, we need to have that love. We need to have that compassion and, and have that same compassion that, that Jesus did. We don't hate anyone. We don't want to see anyone lost. Jesus himself made very clear, you know, that, that he had come to seek and to save the lost. He, he talked about even going after the, the one when there was 99. There was a go after that one and, and, and save that one. Bring them back to the fold. You know, that's the mentality that we need to have. And, and very simply, that's what we're trying to do when we preach the gospel. Well, that's what we're trying to do when we come to Acts chapter 2. And we say, here's the church. And can't we just simply be a part of that which we read about? Right. I love the, the idea here um, of talking about we don't want anyone to perish. We don't want anybody to fall away. We don't want anybody to, to suffer difficulty. That is exactly what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9. Right. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. And you, you talk about that he wants all men to come to the knowledge and to be saved. So wait a minute. Am I then to understand? Am I to understand then that if everyone is supposed to be saved, then that means that there are several out in the world that are lost? I believe that's what that yeah. says. And then my responsibility, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, even other places, if you're going to say, well, that was just to the apostles. <laughs> okay, fine. Let I'll, If I grant you that, I'm still expected to go yeah. and to sow the Word of God and to tell people. And I think we need to stop saying we're non-denominational. My dad has started to say, and I'm sure he would probably tell you, I don't know if he coined the term or not. If he didn't, he'd be very quick to tell you he didn't. But he has started to say in his sermons, we are pre-denominational. Yeah, I like that. We are not non-denominational because mm-hmm. that implies that we may have come up about in a time when there were denominational. No, we are pre-denominational. We are the first we are not the copycat. We are not the ones that come in after and try to tweak it and make it different. You know, nowadays you turn on the TV, you either see a rerun of a show from the 70s or 80s, <laughs> or you see a show that's very yeah. similar to some other show that's on. Right. It, movies are starting to be copycat. Almost every movie is exactly the same. Not that they're not enjoyable, but almost every movie. You break it down. It's either a comedy, it's a drama, or there's a villain, there's a hero, and... Right. And so there, there is no originality. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon would say. Yeah. But the New Testament church is pre-denominational. It's pre-all this. But I want us to yeah. focus as we, as we kind of bring these thoughts to a close. Something that Paul said that I think we need to really put into the minds of anyone that might be listening to this that is of a denomination. It's possible. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that we don't hate them. We love them. But I want us to remember the words that Paul said to the churches of Galatia. Have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Yeah. The yeah. truth can hurt. The doctor says, on, on, you know, there's a particular show called My 600 Pound Life. And these are individuals that they're trying to lose weight. And sometimes the doctor gives them the rudest of wake-up calls. He looks at them and says, if you don't lose weight, I'm not operating on you. I'm not helping you because you're not. And they get mad at him sometimes. And he just looks at them and says, oh, well, yeah. I'm telling you what has to happen. When the doctor says to me, Michael, you've got to stop doing such and such. 
is he going to be an enemy of mine because he's trying to help me live longer? And the ultimate goal is not to live long on this earth, but to live forever in the next life and not be a part of the second death. So I don't want to be anybody's enemy, but if it takes being your enemy to at least give you the truth one time, so be it. That's Paul's mm -hmm. mentality. That's going to be my mentality. Denominationalism is a horrible part of this world because it is making so many people believe that they're saved when we know they're lost. Absolutely. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know that my Redeemer lives.